You're listening to a production of Swanson Media. Hey everybody, this show is brought to you by Kingpin Tattoo Supply. You can check out Kingpin Tattoo Supply at kingpintattoosupply.com or on Instagram at kingpintattoosupply. I would suggest you get over to their Instagram and check out their recent post featuring the new Atom Power Supply from Critical Tattoo. This power supply is available exclusively through Kingpin and looks killer. It's compatible with both rotaries and coil machines, has simple push on and off feature, which means you can save your back. You can throw out that foot pedal. You also have voltage that is color indicated by the glow of the power supply, which is super cool. Check out the new Atom Power Supply by Critical Tattoo, exclusively available at Kingpin Tattoo Supply. To order yours, go to kingpintattoosupply.com or call them at 888-299-5675. Kingpin Tattoo Supply, for the artist since 1996. Hey everybody, welcome to the Sullen Radio Podcast. I'm Joe Swanson. I appreciate everybody listening this uh, episode. I hope you're going to enjoy it. It's with Mark Longnecker, tattoo artist out of Cocoa Beach, Florida, former Ink Master contestant. We got into a lot about tattooing, but also about his lifestyle, his two Dalmatian dogs that he loves like family, my dogs, why he chose to do the show Ink Master. And then we got into some yoga, some meditation, some positivity. So it was a fun conversation, definitely with Mark. Um, sounds like a super fun dude. So I definitely encourage you guys to go check out his work on Instagram. So this is the Sullen Radio Podcast, and this is my talk with tattoo artist Mark Longnecker. This is Sullen Radio with Joe Swanson, the premier art-driven podcast. Hey, everybody. This is Joe Swanson. This is uh, Sullen Radio, and my guest today is Mark Longnecker, man. How are you? All good. How are you? I'm doing well, dude. It's uh, it's exciting to talk to you, man. And um, you know, I got to catch uh, uh, I got to catch the interview you did with um, Keith on his podcast, and I really enjoyed it, man. Talking about um, tattooing and art, and you know, at that time, uh, you done Ink Master and um, talk. About, I mean, shit. We we'll get into all that, but um, you grew up in New Jersey. How'd you end up in Florida? Well, uh, everyone in New Jersey wants to come to Florida, so, you know, they, everyone wants to get out of there, it seemed like to me at least, and, you know, half of half of Florida is from New Jersey, New York, and Philly, and uh, it's just like, just end up wanting to come here. Everyone wants to retire here or, or get come here straight out of high school. I couldn't wait. I wanted to, I just wanted to have good weather and, and live in the tropics, you know? Yeah. And f- where I live is, you know, Florida, if you look at it on the map, it's the closest to being in the... Like we're way more south than California. We're, we're like, you know, it's the closest to being in the Caribbean that and still living in America. Uh-huh. Is that something? That's that East Coast thing um, where people just from New York and and uh, New Jersey they just shoot down there for vacations. It's super close, huh? Like in a on a flight. <clears throat> yeah, it's an easy flight, and it's just. It's just uh, it's just where they want to be. You know, I wanted to move to California too. Of course, when I was in in school or in high school, I thought that was my dream, or move to San Francisco, or. But um, it just it just seems easier to to be down here. And, mm. and once I once I realized what Florida was all about, then I I fell in love with it. Yeah, yeah. So San Francisco, you wanted to move to San Francisco, not uh, SoCal. Seems like SoCal would be more of that uh, 
you know, skate life, surf life that that uh, that you got there in Florida? Yeah, I think when I was in high school, I didn't realize the huge difference between SoCal and NorCal. <laughs> it's crazy, it all, right? It just all seemed like 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 the skateboarding, surfing heaven, and that's where I needed to be. And and uh, but you know, we have the, we have the same vibes uh, here too, and and I love it. Yeah. It, does um does Florida have that same thing where like you have Northern California, which is kind of mellow and you know definitely slower pace. Southern California is just fast paced in the concrete jungle. Is there that different vibe out in Florida when you get in, you know, either the northern part of the state or the southern part of the state? Of course, the more south you are, I think the more the more Caribbean you feel, the more, you know, when you're in Miami, it's very Cuban. Mm. It's like uh, there's parts of Miami that only speak Spanish, which is crazy. I, I had to work in some of those areas. I couldn't believe it. Um, and then and it's just a lot. It's a lot more hot. A lot more humid, and then as you get up north, the vibe changes completely. As you get close to Jacksonville, and then, and then some of the areas where we call Florabama, you know, people have rebel flags, and uh, it just doesn't even feel like Florida at all anymore. South, it's more, yeah. it's more like the the south. Yeah, we ha we got to go up north to get to the south. <laughs> That's crazy, man. That's crazy. So, how long you been down in Florida now? <clears throat> I've been here really my whole tattoo career. As soon as I got out of college, I moved to Key West, Florida. Mm -hmm. So um, I'd say a good 24, 25 years. Yeah. What was Jersey like growing up there, man? I listened to um, uh, Joey Diaz podcast and he's from, he's from New Jersey. And I mean, he tells stories about it. It's a, it seems like a different world. I mean, obviously these are stories from way back when, when he was a kid, but um what was it like growing up out there? Um, you know, it was very uh, as far as I, as far as I remember, like as far as high school goes, I remember that being very clicky. Uh, I just wanted my, my personal town that I grew up in was uh, you know very like white suburbia, um, and I just wanted to either get to go to Philly or go to the Jersey Shore at all times. So I was, was kind of in the middle. Of, I'm in South Jersey, and I'm right in the middle of the state, so. I'm like a half hour away from the Jersey Shore and a half hour away from Philly, so I spent a lot of time in those two places. Mm -hmm. Yeah, S skateboarding and, and doing that kind of stuff that you were that you were into, or oh, what, yeah. were you, what were you into as a kid? Yeah, I'd go to Philly to skate, skate Love Park with all them crazy pro skaters back in the day. Yeah, go to the Jersey Shore to surf all the time and skate down there. I'd hitchhike to the Jersey Shore a lot when I was a kid. You know, I wasn't scared of that. And, um, <laughs> you know, me and three friends would just take off separately and meet each other down there and hitchhike a ride and isn't that crazy man back in that time when you could do that and not be really that afraid of it i mean things happened you heard stories about you know kids going missing and shit like that but you could just take a couple buddies and and get into something in a day and and not okay. really and pretty much figure that you're going to be home for dinner you know right it's different times yeah yeah, I couldn't think of, you know, maybe sending my kid on BART or something, Bay Area, Rapid Transit, like the train out here. Um, but even that, man, there's creepers on there, dude. You know, I don't know if I would want my kids at this at this time, in this day and age, to be, you know, having as much freedom as, as we did when we were kids, you know. Right. So It may, may have been just as weird, but we did, just didn't know. Because, like, now uh, I, I stay up late night and watch all the crazy TV shows of... Things that have happened to people, like 
maybe we just didn't know as much and just were ignorant. But there, I'm sure there were plenty of creepers out there at the time. But I wasn't scared. I would just, especially if I see a big truck, you know, you know that they're they're going all the way and mm -hmm. hop in it and hitchhike and get there. Yeah, yeah. And then you surfing down, surfing down on the shore. You um, morning sessions, afternoon sessions, all day sessions. What did you like? Because I used to surf in Santa Cruz and. Man, I, I nothing better than a morning session when you go out there and you have good waves and come off and eat some breakfast and and uh, your day starts right, man. Oh yeah, that's the that's the best way. Like at this point in my life, especially and and starting back then, like if if I include the day with the beach, whether I surf or not, or if I just go sit on the beach and, and and meditate or do some yoga or run, like that's the best way mentally for me to start my day. Yeah. I agree, man, and I, I think that's something for me personally that I'm, I need to really get in my life is more as a meditation and something that I've practiced a little bit. Um, wh how do you, what do you like to do as far as meditation goes, man? Because it's, um, you know, I'll sit and I'll just, I'll do breathing meditation and um, it's hard for me to settle my mind down. That's the thing, you know, that it takes I mean, I'll sit down, let's say, for just a short 13 or 21-minute meditation, and man, my, my mind's still bumping at the end, you know? It's it's hard to do that. So how do you zone in on it, and, and where'd you start doing um, that kind of practice? Yeah, I, I find it really hard, too. You know, my mind's always racing at all times. I have a million things to think about mm -hmm. and, and to get done, and, and I feel like I'm always being pulled in a million directions. So I think that's one of the best things that you can do, you know, the... That's the opposite of meditation is not thinking about that stuff is to is to not think at all is to is to find that 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 peace and serenity where you're you can actually turn your brain off and uh it does it really is complicated you know to really like slow your your thinking down of and um so I think once to take yourself to a place like you need like a meditation room or you need i need the beach like I need to be sitting there and then slowly the sounds of the waves uh you know and using that like as a hum in my head and and just slowly like like letting everything that's in my mind like go go to nothing and 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 it's a great feeling when you can not think for a minute mm -hmm. how long you've been practicing it um i don't know on and off for as long as i can remember i guess i just always would would do some form of meditation uh -huh. where i just try to sit and relax and not think um, I've never like studied under anyone or, uh, learned too much about it, but I, I know that that's the goal is to get yourself to, to that point in your head where you can calm down. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's that, you know, just like we exercise our physical body, we have to, um, and that needs rest. I think your body needs or your mind needs rest too. You know, it, it's, it's almost, it's a different muscle and it has to be exercised and, played with and 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 all different you know things done to it in the same way that you do with your physical body so you might go out and surf and and then yeah sit on the beach and meditate because you you're exercising those two different those two different things so I, th I find it has great benefit too man and and especially and and even just like physical exercise too you know I started I kind of took a year a year of working out uh, you know off of working out and um, you know, I periodically, I've always stayed active. So I periodically I'll, I'll jump in the gym or I'll do something. And, um, but I just started getting back into it. And, you know, it's one of those things that it's just, it's a necessity, man. You know, my, my, my body and mind feels like it gets all 
wound up like a like a fishing rod spool, you know, like a spool of fishing wire if it if you don't start actively taking control of those things. So um, definitely something I'm getting back into, and um, you know, yoga too, man. That, that's such a I think people people discredit that as, as something that's, that's difficult and, and holy shit, man, some work yoga workouts have been the most difficult workouts I've done, you know? Yeah. Ashtanga and uh, the Bikram, you know, those are, you're, you're covered in sweat and mm -hmm. feel like you, you just, you just done so much physically with your body. So I think it's great. And, and the main thing with yoga is your back, you know, as tattoo artists all day, every day we're hunched over and, uh, everything, your back is the most important thing. Once that goes, you're done, you know, and it's going to be really hard for you to continue a good career as a tattoo artist. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I'm really into all the, the back bends where we're, we're bending the other, other way and any, any kind of form of yoga where you turn the opposite direction of, of mm -hmm. being hunched over. Like I, I push that and promote that and I try to get my friends to do it when we're doing it. I'm big into it. You, you like doing that on the beach as well? Or is there a studio there that you go to or kind of mix it up? Yeah, I have uh, one of my good friends who's a girl that I, that I go to her uh, Ashtanga classes, and she used to be a, a Bikram teacher. I used to go to that, uh, so she's the main one who I kind of study under. And then, um, but really, I think I, I do the most just by myself and stretches. Pre when I stretch before uh, I go to even go to jujitsu class, I, I'll do a lot of it. And then when I get there, sometimes I'll lead the stretches. Uh, when I get when I go to the beach, you know, it's, I never felt weird like doing yoga on the beach or working out on the beach. I see a lot of people doing that kind of mm -hmm. stuff, and and um, that's all. Usually, I do a lot of it, and th then I go for the run, and then I'll I'll I'll, I'll try to meditate and calm down. That's awesome, man. Jiu-jitsu. I'll, I'll paddle out. Yeah. yeah you, you too. Do you practice uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu or? <clears throat> Yeah, I have a studio right around the corner here that I've been going to on and off for a long time. Amazing. Gi or no gi? Yeah, uh, gi more recently. Okay. Uh, I guess as uh, Jimmy Litwalk would say, we're, we're the longest standing white belts in the history of uh, <laughs> jiu-jitsu. Like, uh, you know how it is when you're a tattoo artist. It's like hard to commit to anything like steadily. And mm. I've missed every uh, possible uh, belt. Uh, promotion that they've ever had, and uh, I'm still a white belt, and I get accused of uh, sandbagging all the time. I, mean, I don't really compete as a white belt, so I'm not, but just uh, just my friends when I walk in and they see the white belt, they're like, you know, "How many years has it been?" <laughs> You're rolling with other white belts, and they're thinking, "Shit, man, this guy knows a lot of a lot of defense and a lot of offense." Yeah, that's really just a matter that I've never been there when they gave out the blue belts. Yeah, for testing. What uh what what's your game with jujitsu? Top game, bottom game? What do you like? Uh, I like the the gay team. That's uh probably my favorite. I can usually get somebody in in that uh on on the first uh, roll, and then they, once they realize that that's my thing, that they'll they'll start uh, defending it. But you know now I just told everyone so. <laughs> now you now everybody's gonna be working on their guillotine defense when they're rolling with Mark. <laughs> Now they know my, my, my first attack. <laughs> but, um, yeah, other than that, I've been, I've been working on a lot of uh, collar chokes. I like that a lot. You know, uh, collar choke from uh, from uh, guard, when you when you reach up and pull, mm -hmm. I think it's an easy one to get to. Yeah, it's, it's cool, man. Um, Jiu-Jitsu is one of those things that, for me, I trained in it a, a while back. I haven't trained in Jiu-Jitsu in a long time, but I loved – 
and I trained mostly no gi because I did um, I did train with Caesar Gracie out here. He had a uh, a place in Pleasant Hill, and now the Diaz brothers and him have a place here in town uh, in Lodi where I'm at. And so, and it's tempting for me to go back, but again, it's like that commitment thing, and and I know that if I get in there, I'm gonna wanna you know geek out on on the internet, you know, in between classes and, and learn different things and, you know, really, really dive into it. But man, I always loved no geese and no geese stuff. I never was as into the ghee rolling, which kind of excites me now to, to get into it a slower kind of more methodical paced, um, you know, roll or, or training. Um, but I loved it. You know, when I went down to LA, I trained a little bit with, um, at the 10th planet, school down there um, when it was at the Legends Gym and got to roll with Eddie Bravo, which, you know, if you ever roll with like one of those top, top level guys, like it's just such a different ball game, you know, you know that the guy's just fucking with you really the whole, you know, tapping you out five different ways and, and just really playing with playing around with, with you, you know. Um, yeah, we have a guy, Master Hernando Tavares, always invites me down to his gym and I, you know, I really need to take him up more more often on it, but I was going pretty steadily. You know, I really was I was, I was focusing on it a lot uh, year, uh, year, a few years ago, and you know, I was going to the uh, Naga competitions, and I was getting really into it, and and uh, doing all the cutting of the weight, and like you re- once I realized how much how much time it takes to to cut my weight to to go to the competition, it's not even though the competition's only one day, like I could have taken all that time focused it on it at a tattoo convention and tried to win a trophy there and I think it would have helped my career a lot more and you know I'm never going to be a professional MMA fighter or a uh, jiu-jitsu guy it's just a hobby yeah I just got to the point in my life where I had to like uh reanalyze like all these hobbies that I have and and say which you know what do I need to focus on the most and what's what am I the most passionate about and from day one it was always tattooing and uh it's my number one passion in life I've never not liked it I've never got burnt out on it ever and uh, and I just kind of refocused on that. And once I did, uh, I just noticed that a lot of you take that same energy like when you're coming up and you're trying to make a name for yourself. And 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 a lot of people you know forget about that. And once they make a name for themselves, it's like they, they lose that that spark. So I had to like almost go back, revert back to that, and uh, and just keep pushing my name. Yeah, definitely. Hey, can you hold on one second? I gotta put my cat outside. He's yelling and yelling and yelling. <laughs> No problem. Hold on one second. All right. He'll sit there. That that cat is so vocal. He's a Firepoint Siamese, and boy, he just he doesn't have you know. There's one little thing off in his little world, man. He's just yelling at you. He'll run in the in the house through the cat door and just pissed, you know. Like like, dude. You have everything. You just murked a bird outside. You know, you like, you got the whole yard to pee and shit in. Like, what do you want? It's crazy. I got I got two crazy Dalmatians. I just put them in their cages just before we started this. Yeah, wait, I have a couple dogs too. They're in their crates. And uh, how long you have those Dalmatians? Beautiful dogs. They're about uh, about close to four years old now. Okay, two brothers. How, how are those dogs as far as temperament and? four years old are they starting to mellow out a little bit or how, how's that yeah i mean they're still crazy as ever but they've definitely mellowed from from when i first got them when they were trying to escape a lot and dig everything and eat everything and they you know just like every dog's got to mature a little bit and 
they just need lots of attention and want to have so much energy. You know, a lot of people don't, I don't think realize that when they buy them for their kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's it is like a good like surfer bro dog to have. It's like the sublime dog and. And uh, I always live my life like a sublime video every day. <laughs> I love it, man. That's awesome. I take my dogs on their walk every morning. Um, their their kind of schedule is around five. Well, anywhere between our big big mastiff. Um, he kind of looks like a South African borble, but he's like smaller. He's like way too small to be that. But if you look at those two dogs, he looks exactly exactly like that. But um, he'll get up at between four and five thirty, and you know, start whining. He wants to go and take his piss and take his walk and get his food in the morning. So I was out there five thirty this morning, walking him around the block, and it's a little bit cooler out uh, nowadays. And so he has the bigger guy. He's got some bad back knees, so we got to. He only gets a walk around the w- one block, but once in summer starts kicking up the temp, then he'll get to. You know, we take a little longer walks, and and he kind of beefs up a little bit. But um, man, how, how cool! Dogs are so cool, man. I, I they were pissing me off the other day, and I was ready to fucking throw them out the <laughs> down the street. But you know, they're they give a lot of love. Oh yeah, I, I, I'm a huge animal lover. I've never had um, you know, never had any kids, never been married, and uh, I, that's like that's like the, the most important family that I have. I don't have a huge family, you know, just my mom and dad and. I've lost contact with, with some people, and uh, you know, my mom and dad are in Jersey still, so I don't see them at, often at all, uh, twice a year. And uh, it's just these dogs and my girlfriend. So it's like I love, I love my dogs. I think you know everyone loves their dogs and claims how much they lo- how much they love them, but I really feel like this is my my tightest and closest family that I all ever have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What What are their quirks? Do they have they have pretty similar personalities or? Uh, well, I named him uh, Boomba, Boomba Clot, like Jamaican curse words, Rasclot. <laughs> ended up ended up changing it to the one guy to Rasta because he's so chill, and and uh, Boomba is definitely the uh, alpha male and would beat him up all the time. <laughs> and he's definitely been more of an ass, like as as far as the way he acts and the things that he does. And Rasta is just such a lover and wants wants to just always. Uh, be petted and give you those soft puppy dog eyes and man. So they're definitely very. Like, I I noticed their their differences like on the first day that I had them. Mm. It was very obvious. I picked up Rasta first and and he like just like snuggled in my arms and uh, I picked up uh, Boomba after that when they were just little puppies and they were running around together and I knew I had to keep them together. Uh, and uh, my friend my friend said, "Oh, my, as soon as I picked up Boomba, he started crying." And, and my friend said, "That's a bad sign. Put him back." And I was like, "Nope, I want him too." So yeah, I kept the little butthead. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's awesome. They're so cool, you know. It, like you said, they do become part of your family, and and uh, you go through these. Like I said that the other day, wanted to, you know, kick them down the street, and you go through those times. I think you do that with a, with regular family too, you know. Where of course. you have these little tiffs and and, but ultimately, you come back around and and they they're showing you love and, um, it's awesome. It's awesome. They're beautiful dogs, man. Those Dalmatians are. Have you seen pictures of mine on Instagram? I, I did, man. I, I I was checking it out on Instagram and and uh, beautiful. Uh, I, I I fenced in the courtyard in the back of the shop, so they'll come there and they're just always with me and. They're my number one love. See, that's cool to be able to have a space for them 
you know, wherever you're at, if you're at the shop or if you're at home and, um, to be able to bring your dogs with you is, is great. And they get along with other dogs pretty well or. Uh, yeah, it's a little awkward in the beginning when, when my dogs are on a leash and they can't get to them. But if I take them to the dog park and everyone's free and running around, they're usually, uh, are great. Yeah. I see. I wish our, my dogs were, were different. They were both rescues and the one guy, the one that's got the issues, he has some some allergy issues too because he was taken away from his mom at two weeks old. You know, some crackhead probably stole him from the litter and was carrying him around. Came into the tattoo shop with him in a like little soft side igloo cooler. You know, there was shit on the inside of the cooler. He was laying on a dirty t-shirt. Dude was feeding him water. Yeah, I mean, it right. just just ridiculous. So obviously, the dog came home with us that night and we nursed him back to health. But he's got some. He's got a little bit. Of, he's been affected by that, not having his mom's milk for, you know, those six weeks and the socialization too, you know, for a while he was, he was good. We'd take him to the park, but once we got the other dog, she was, she had had a litter and then was discarded. Um, we found her on the street and she looked like a, she's a little black and white pit bull and she looked like a cow dude. Like she was so horribly you know emaciated but like had all these babies you know had had just had babies so she had like eight huge tits and uh, it was crazy man um but she doesn't like dog she doesn't like other dogs you know so she really kind of tainted him on on the uh the social thing so they just get to kick it man they get to kick it with the other uh with the cat and the cat's birds that he murks every you know and uh, they get to kick it with us. So we got the new little baby here. We just had a baby on leap year, and so he's cool. And they've been they've congratulations. Been, what's that? Congratulations. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. I didn't think I'd have any more kids, and um, you know I've been married to this lady now for five years, and um, it's her first baby. And man, it's it's pretty amazing going through that experience again. And um, He's such a such a sweet little boy, you know. It's uh, it's pretty wild. So, um, what's uh, what's your what's your typical schedule like down there, man? Are you um, you at the shop quite a bit? Are you doing other projects that kind of pull you away in other directions? What's uh, what do you have going on? I uh, basically I'm at the shop um, a lot. It's like uh, I go there Wednesday through Sunday. Um, but then again, I'm at conventions a lot too, like every other weekend. I'm still doing the convention schedule pretty hard. So, uh, but, but when I am at the shop, I'm, I'm basically there from open to close, and usually I'll stay late on a lot of people too. So I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm there more than I'm at my house. Uh-huh. Uh, there's just a lot of projects that I'm always working on at my house too. Still uh, DJing reggae pretty steadily um, and uh, collecting records and, and, uh, and setting up events and uh, DJ events and charity events and, and there's always just something going on so it's just it's been pretty hectic actually as far as my workout schedule and surfing and all that other stuff goes lately it's all kind of fell to the way, wayside because I just finished a charity project uh, and I'm just trying to catch up on all the projects I'm trying to get a, my solemn t-shirt design done that was supposed to be out for for the spring I'm trying to I'm just really backed up on a lot of things and I'm getting ready to leave tomorrow for Baltimore so been pretty hectic i feel like i put on a few pounds with all the all the stuff that i've been doing you know it's either one it's either either i'm, I'm making money and, and i'm and i'm 
getting a lot done or I'm healthy, it's hard to find that balance, you know? It is, man. It absolutely is. Well, those extra few pounds will keep you uh, a little bit warmer in Baltimore, you know? Exactly. <laughs> you got you got tattooed um, by <clears throat> talking about selling and selling family and um, you got tattooed by the, on the back of your neck, kind of lower part of your head by Ricky Boy. How was that? Yeah. Uh, it was a great experience. Love Ricky Boy. He's like one of my favorite people on the entire planet. He's so cool. Yeah, I can see why, you know, someone's attracted to him and everyone else is and why he is the name that he is. You know, there's there's so many uh, badass Polynesian and Hawaiian style tattoo artists, but he definitely, you know, sticks out just from his personality and his humbleness and his, you know, how, how important his family is to him. And, you know, uh, it's just a really good, genuine person. And you, you, you can feel that vibe within like three seconds of talking to him. And... Uh, and like he, he, the whole Solon thing, like he accepted me, tr honestly, like like I was his long lost uh, blood brother because because we were part of the Solon thing, and and it really helped, and um, you know, so a lot of they would say a lot a lot of Hales are not supposed to be even getting all the huge Polynesian tattoos, but he didn't care about that, and he knows that who I am, so. Uh, he kind of just pushed that aside and, and just went straight ahead and, and started tattooing that, all that great stuff on me. And, and uh, I want to I learn more about it. And I think it's great, great culture. I have more, you know, in front of my neck and my hand and I always liked it. And, um, but as far as the tattoo goes, it was one of the, the most painful that I've been through uh, because I had to go a two-day session. Uh, we started it at the convention on Friday with the idea that we'll finish it and I can do the rest of my appointments, you know, Saturday and Sunday. And uh, around, around 11 or 10.30, they were walking around saying, you know, better better finish up your tattoos. And, you know, they say that at every convention, so I didn't even think twice. I'm like, yeah, sure, they'll just they'll kick out the people that aren't tattooing and the people that are tattooing are going to stay until we're done. And I was in the zone, even though it was painful, pretty painful at that moment, I was like, I was definitely in the zone. And... Uh, and then they actually pulled the plug, and we just looked at each other like, "Oh my God!" I was like, "I was thinking, man, I have to do all this over again." And I had to set it up for the next day. I had to push off my appointment, and I told him, "I was like, look, you know, this is really important to me that I get this done. I don't. I'm only here once a year, so I'll get to you as soon as I'm done. I promise." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Finish your tattoo." And then we went right back at it. it was so painful. Like his his uh, wife was like holding my head down. Like you know how they usually have somebody stretch for him. Yep. She's doing that, but I feel like she's more doing it to keep me from shaking off the table. And like, yeah. remember I was like almost, the way that I was positioned was almost suffocating and like my, my face was so smashed. And I was, I was kind of liking that as a distraction from these like power lines that he's drilling into my, my skull. <laughs> you know? And it was, it was rough. And I was, uh, I was actually had to med The only way I got through that was meditation. And I was, I was uh, actually do doing some like loud, like, ohms and things like that and uh the one thing that was made keeping it from being embarrassing was the fact that it was a loud tattoo convention and nobody could hear all the weird noises and <laughs> funny like meditation sounds i was making so i got through it and i love it it looks dope i mean it looks sick and and yeah ricky boy is one of those those dudes that and i think it kind of stems from that that culture man the humbleness and and obviously he has that as a person too but I think that's so important in that culture to stay humble and to stay, um, to be connected with if, if somebody's 
part of what you got going on, you're connected with them. You're loyal to them. And, you know, I've, I've felt that from Ricky boy. I got hand tapped by him last year in, um, Palm Springs. He, he was kind enough after coming on the podcast to, to, you know, give me a little symbol and, and a little piece to represent, um, you know, my connection with Sullen and also, um, my years of tattooing and, you know, it's awesome, man. He's coming out to the city of trees convention in Sacramento this in October that I'll be hosting and he's going to be in the Sullen radio booth and doing some tattooing. And I'm just excited for that weekend. You know, it's going to be a fun, fun time hanging out with him again. And, um, yeah, that culture is so, uh, it's, it's so cool to see that culture flourishing now with, within tattooing and both the Paul, you know, both the contemporary stuff and the, you know, the hand tap stuff, the, the traditional stuff. It's really, it's really neat. And when you talk about, you know, that the, you know, certain people aren't supposed to have this or certain people aren't supposed to get this. You know, I talked to guys like Leo Famasino and Ricky Boy and, and Pate, you know, all those dudes are so um, interested in giving people this art, you know, and they want, it doesn't matter if you're a white dude or you're a Samoan dude, um, they want you to represent and have this. And if you, if you're going to represent it, like, you know, like you love it, they're going to give that to you and they want to just represent their culture in all different parts of the world. And it's, it's amazing to see. I mean, I came up looking at those tattoo time books, you know, and, and, um, Paulo Suloape and, and his brother and his family from the, from that lineage, you know, it was, that's what, that's at the time when I came up, that's who was around. And, you know, there's, there's tragedy in that story, but, um, you also see all the Suluapes that have come after that and, you know, what they're doing for that family and that culture and, and that style of art. It's beautiful to see. Yeah, it's cool. He's a actual uh, chief, right? Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, um, it's one of those things and, and to hear him talk about it, you know, on the podcast, I was, I was amazed just to, to hear the, the, the process and, you know, they go back for different ceremonies, a handful of different ceremonies. And, um, for a while he's, he stayed in Samoa and tattooed, um, for very little, you know, if any money, but just trade and, and because it was his service, you know, to the people, uh, it's just a whole different level of commitment and a whole different, um, deepness to what they do. Uh, it, it'd be, it'd be amazing. Have you ever been out there? I mean, you've been to Hawaii, but have you ever been out to like Samoa or anywhere like that? No. Be, be probably pretty cool, man, to get out there. And I, I talked to Lyle Tuttle about it. And he, he said when he was tattooing in San Francisco, um, he would always have these, uh, Samoan folks, you know, big jovial people, he called them, you know, and right. they'd come through the shop and they all talked about, you know, this, this one guy who was kind of the talking chief over in Samoa and he ended up going over there and, and he got a souvenir piece tattooed on him and um, they were blown away by the amount of work that he had. Um, and uh, it's such a, such a cool ability to be able to these days with social media and the connectivity we have on the internet to be able to kind of tap into those cultures without ever having to go there, you know? Right. Yeah. I feel it's a great honor to be tattooed by somebody like Ricky Boy. Uh-huh. Anybody who can have that, that opportunity, it's just, they, they would be blessed. Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. And it's such a 
it's such a different experience being hand tapped too. You know, my my piece was such a small little piece, but you know, it it was life changing. To you know, I I also meditated through it, and um, it brought up different memories and different feelings, and you know, it was it was wild to to have that whole experience. Um, and two man, his wife was there, such a sweet lady, and and they're such a great team. Um, and she was stretching my leg, and they're both, you know, it's two people kind of on you that are involved in this thing, and it's yeah, makes it makes it different, makes it interesting, um, really fun experience. I, I really appreciated being able to sit through that. Yeah, it's great. Um, so uh, when, when you're, what, what city are you in? What city is your shop in? Cocoa Beach, Florida. Cocoa Beach, Florida, man. What's the, uh, if you're going to get up and you're not making breakfast at home, you're going to go out for a, 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 a nice breakfast spot right there in Cocoa Beach before hitting the, hitting the uh, tattoo shop. Where are you going to head, head to? Well, actually, I just took all the, the gang out to breakfast um, two days ago. Uh, this little Cuban spot called Roberto's. I got the surfer special. It's all really authentic Cuban food, and um, what comes in the surfer special? Just uh, beans and rice and eggs and onions, and added some bacon. And uh, but we were also celebrating a, a big event that we just finished, a Florida Wildlife Tattoo event. So I tried to get everybody that was involved, at least the artist, uh, breakfast, and uh, we started on the sangria and. You know, it was finally our chance to to relax from uh, one of the most stressful and busiest days of my shops has ever seen, and in, in, since it's been open. What? Tell me about that event. <clears throat> well, uh, my girlfriend had recently started, uh, just within the last month or two, uh, started volunteering at the Florida Wildlife Hospital and Sanctuary. You know, she started by bringing over a hurt bird, and and uh, one of her good friends that uh, works that she does massage with does. Uh, she always runs early on the beach and finds pelicans or birds that are hurt too and uh, brings them over and just want, they started uh, volunteering there and once she realized that it's not state funded and it's all donation based and um, she wanted to do more that could help as far as that goes because they need, they need supplies donated, they, need, uh, they, they really need money to, to work and uh, uh, so she knew already that I, I've done successful events for Surfers for Autism where we draw mm -hmm. up a big flash sheet of, uh, you know, puzzle piece designs yeah. and, and surfing uh, mix, like surfing puzzle pieces and all these different things. And, and we do good for that. It's, we have a big event, uh, Surfers for Autism here. It's right in Cocoa Beach. And I, we help there. And I, I push kids into the waves with autism. And it's amazing. And, and uh, families fly from all over the world and, and come to Cocoa Beach for it. And, and bring their kids, and then the next day, and I paint a surfboard on the beach that day, and we, we put it in the auction, and it raises a lot of money for them. And then the next day, we have a, an event where the families can come, or anybody can come, and just get a little $30 autism tattoo, and then uh, we give all that money to, to the charity. So she's already watched it, watched us do it, and says, well, I know I can organize one for, for the Florida Wildlife. And, and I was a little hesitant, because I, I do... Once you once you start doing charity work, everyone wants charity work from you, and the more that you show how charitable you are, the more people hit you up. And I, I kind of had to start turning people down and, and saying, "Look, I'm focusing on this one charity. This is my favorite one." And I think eventually everyone kind of picks one that they like. But she was so moved by this one, I was like, "All right, I'm on board." 
And uh, so we all drew up cool little wildlife tattoo designs and uh, put them on a, two big, huge flash posters. And uh, it, it went like crazy. It went, I started, it went like viral. As soon as I made the, the uh, poster for it or the flyer, like that thing got shared a million times. And uh, well, maybe not a million, but uh, it just uh, it was getting bigger than I could ever expect. And our event page was getting as, as far as we figure everyone who's coming is going to want is going to want a tattoo. And we, and we started counting like we how many tattoos can we do? And we tried to do the math. And we said, well, maybe we should first. We said we need to stop tattooing by by seven. And then I was like, well, maybe stop by six. And we'll tell people and we'll finish everyone else that's on the list. And then we thought, well, that could go for days at this point. Well, maybe we should just have a two. 100 tattoo cutoff and I we tried to do the math maybe if both if all of us tattooed a 20 minute tattoo all day we could finish it by the end of the day and that was uh that was more than we we bit off more than we can chew with with that amount and wow it was crazy and there's a, the line like I have pictures of this line of, of people just they got in line they didn't have to wait in the line all day they just signed up and then we could call them back throughout the day um but the, when that original line started of the of the 200 plus people trying to get tattooed, it went all the way down my whole block. It was crazy. That's amazing. And, it's it's probably a lot of excitement early on, and then a lot of exhaustion at the at the end uh, of the night. But definitely a great feeling of of accomplishment too. Yeah, I mean, we we hit like the halfway point, and it was already dark out, and that's when I started getting nervous. I was like. You know, I was hoping the halfway point would be halfway through the day, not, you know, three quarters or, <laughs> you know, it was getting pretty late. But because of that, you know, people got tired. Everyone who got a tattoo waited a good five hours. And, um, you know, so that I really appreciated that. And I think by the time it was so late, a lot of the, the, those last, like, 30 people or so were just too tired to even come back. And we were all to the, I was definitely at the point that I was getting tired. So I was happy that it just kind of ended. We didn't hit our 200 tattoo goal and make as much money as we wanted to, but, um, we got pretty close and there was, there was other donations and stuff. Mm -hmm. And we uh, actually went there yesterday and dropped off the money and they gave me a tour of the place and it was amazing and walked through and saw the pelicans and, wow. and the little, little baby muskrats and, uh, all this fun stuff. It's great to be able to be connected with that you know, a part of your community that is important to you. Obviously you're out, you know, in nature and enjoying those things and, um, animal lover as well. So uh, it's, it's got to feel good to be able to walk over there and drop off a check like that to a place that you know is going to be able to be impacted by that pretty much immediately. Yeah. yeah, it was great. It was a great feeling to walk up. It was almost six grand that we gave him and we had a whole carload full of uh, drop-off supplies like paper towels and gloves and mm. all the things that they need, alcohol, different things that they need to clean the cages. And it was a, an amazing feeling. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So, and what's, uh, you said you're hitting the convention scene pretty, pretty hard. Is that, is that kind of something that when you came off the of Ink Master, you knew you kind of wanted to, to hit that scene and, and take advantage of that, um, you know, oh, yeah. kind of what Ink Master had provided you as far as people knowing who you were and, and you're very recognizable, you know, artist. So, um, yeah, it opens up, opens up the doors for a lot of that for traveling and guest spots and, and, uh, you know, you get better opportunities as far as, uh, some people giving you some deals on the booth or want you to be in the Ink Master area. And, and, uh, so I definitely took advantage of it and I knew that I'd be, I'd be more 
recognized and uh you know like now soccer moms are taking selfies with me out in minnesota you know and like I, that never happened before and uh you know it didn't make me much more money or or or, or i don't i'm not rich and famous but uh you know so i don't know people always say oh you're rich and famous now you're on tv no that's not what happened uh i take i take a, a few extra soccer mom selfies and sometimes they'll, they'll buy a shirt but otherwise i'm still tattooing the same kind of people i was tattooing before and it's all still the same but it definitely helps people people know my name more right yeah how was that experience for you because you know as we're a we're good ways into the tattoo shows and and early on people had some real big i mean i think there there was some misconceptions about them but i think there was also some um you know people had some had some negative views on them and kind of for, for good reason for some of them, you know, the ideas that, that they were misrepresenting and maybe some of the talent wasn't quite there. And, um, how was that experience for you? I think you came at a point where they had started to definitely up the, the overall level of, of quality of work, you know, across the board with who was there in, in, in that house and in that competition. Um, yeah, talk. Once you get, once you get better artists and once you get, the, the the level of artistry and the level of artists and the level of guest artists that you're bringing as judges it's like mm -hmm. it's hard to then it gets harder and harder to diss it you know it's like well you know how can you say that if uh, if Aaron Kane was on there right. how can you say that if, uh, if if we have all these great people that, that that they don't they're not scared of it and they'll they'll be, they'll be a guest judge or Nico or you know these Mike people. Rubendahl and like yeah, Rose all, Hardy all, all these people that were just that crush it and. Then you have guys like yourself and Clean and um, who I'm also trying to get on the podcast and coordinate with him. Um, you know, just uh, amazing artists in their own right. Being, but I was also I was the guy that, that had a, some negative energy about it, and um, you know, especially especially the conventions. You get you go to the convention and you see the Ink Master area and some of these conventions. You know, some of them they split us all up, and then it just feels like um, back to the way it always was, and that's that's fun too. But uh, you know, when you put us all together, it does make it more of a special thing, and uh, people are kind of looking for that. You know, not, you know, some some artists are like, well, I don't want to even go near Ink Master Row. That's that's lame. And I was kind of like that too. I'd, I'd walk by and be like, why why is this the magnet of the tattoo conventions now? Like, what this isn't this isn't the best tattoo artist at the convention. This is just the most known from TV shows, and it's just start get you know, and I I start to feel like that cranky old tattoo artist that was like, you know, these. The internet ruined, uh, you know, or YouTube ruined tattooing, or uh, Instagram ruined tattooing, or even I'm sure there's people back in the day. Uh, tattoo magazines are ruining tattooing. Mm -hmm. Like as it's evolving, you're getting cranky and old, and you're not keeping up with it. And you're like, well, this is ruining it because I'm not part of it. Uh, and I didn't want to become that guy. And I thought that the best thing to do, you know, if you can't beat him, join him. And I knew that I always, you know, ha had a personality that I thought would. Uh, would love I love cameras and I love if there's somebody filming something like I I just feel like I want to be part of it and I'm not a, a shy person I'm very I'm a camera ham you know I'll I'll cheese out for anybody taking a picture and that's just my always been my personality and before our tattooing you know and I I, I figured I I set myself a goal that I wanted to get on that show and 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 continue and evolve I'm not saying that not every that every artist needs to do it but it just personally it felt like it, would, it was the right thing for me to do at the time, and I'm, I really appreciate it, what it's done for me. I think being on the show, you know, kind of sucked, and it was like one of the most grueling things I ever did. 
and uh, at points made me want to even quit tattooing. It was very hard mentally. Uh, but what part about it you know, was was hard mentally? It's just you know I I set myself into this this world and and just stayed so focused on that like tunnel vision like I need to only think about what Ink Master and what I'm doing and and uh, and this competition I don't want to think about the other things because I would notice like if people would call their wives and they'd have a fight that would affect them you know and or, yeah. or their kids in the hospital or they're they're losing their house or Fuck. their shop the shop just got robbed or all these things you know are are, are all going to help. It's not going to help you focus on the main goal, and the only thing you're trying to do there is try to trying to win. It's competition. That's what competition's all about. So, I stayed in that world and only thought about that. And and eventually, you know, you start believing the things that you're hearing. And and uh, you know, if everyone's telling you you're, you're tattooing bad and you're not doing good, uh, it starts to wear on you, and you start to think that that that's really the truth. And it's just it's just a, a hard thing to get past. And I thought mentally that I could handle all that, and I was much stronger than. Than I than than making that stuff get to my head, but uh, it does, you know. How did you pull through that then, and and in that moment? Well, you know, I I didn't want to ever show any of those feelings, so you never see me like break down or freak out or or cry or or fight anyone or or you never. I always, if you watch it, I always come across uh, like a strong-minded person that's not being broke down by the things that are being, being said. You know, deep down inside, that it really does affect you. Even Clean, you know, Clean had the best game face of everyone, but he had a lot of problems going on as well too. You know, everyone's got things happening at home, issues with their family, and uh, and stuff. If you if you if you cannot think about that stuff, uh, you're going to do great. And if you can not let other people know, like and there and the producers are always digging and trying to figure out what's bothering you, and, <laughs> and, and if they and or they're listening, you know, they're listening on microphones and. And so if they if they hear uh, if 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 I if I'm combing my beard with Jason Claydon and saying man I'm a little upset about that one part of the tattoo you know I know they're going to get me then that's probably going to be the next topic of the next conversation you know yeah so I knew I knew to just keep my mouth uh, closed about my feelings and and just to give it all and, and you know and I'm kind of known at this point for for putting up a good fight and, and making it to the end and even though that I was in did you watch my season? I did. Yeah, man, yeah, it so was. It put me in the, in the bottom a lot and kind of, uh, kind of, you know, talk bad about my tattoos. But uh, uh, obviously, it couldn't have been that bad if, if I just kept if I kept making it to the end and almost made it into the finale. And uh, you know, I was, I was happy with almost all the tattoos I did, and the clients were happy. And um, you know, a lot of the times. You, uh, you end up in the bottom on a on a tattoo that's not necessarily a bad tattoo. It's just a tattoo that's not hitting the criteria of the challenge. Mm -hmm. And a simple thing like me trying to please the client over pleasing the judges, which is what I would always do because I have a hard time saying no to people. And I'm trying to, you know, I always push customer service and making people happy. And uh, you know, and I feel like that, that those are the same kind of people there. And I would try to give them the the, the tattoo that they want. Mm -hmm. and, as opposed to the tattoo the judges want to see. Yeah, I think it's an interesting. I was thinking about this the other day, and um, I think that show is almost like a big version of a street shop. You know what I mean? In a street shop, you're sitting there, and whatever comes in the door, you have to be able to hit. You know what I mean? It's a, if it's a yeah, portrait, exactly. if it's a draw-on sleeve, if it's a you know that's stenciled why, mandala. So good at it, you know. Clean is like the perfect street shop tattooer. Yeah, and he's also an amazing like, 
uh, person as far as a personality for TV. So it's, it's he's like he's like the, the most ink master guy you can find. I think and they, they know that. But I always said, you know, because the judges always say you need to be able to do everything. And uh, as far as as far as I know, as far as a tattoo master, a tattoo master does not do that. Tat, you know, uh, Horiyoshi would probably make it only what two, one or two episodes in there. And <laughs> right. We all know that, he, that he's the master of tattooing Japanese, and he and the people that we know that are true masters of of their craft, Paul Booth. You know, how far would they really make it? So. Um, to even to have the word master in, in the word ink master, it almost feels like it shouldn't be that. It should just be called number one street shop tattooer guy or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an interesting, I mean, it, it definitely is, it's a game show. You know what I mean? It's representative of tattooing, but it's not all what tattooing is. And you're right, you know, guys might go on there that are, focused and I think they like that I think they like to see guys that are focused in one area and you're forcing them to push outside that comfort zone and and again that that goes back to that street shop kind of mentality of you know you're maybe going to be pushed outside your comfort zone when something walks in and you know you haven't done this particular thing or you haven't um really focused on this particular style and now you're now you're right in the mix with it you know, and you got a client that wants it and they want the top level of it and and you have to put your game face on and figure figure out, dig down deep into those skills that you have and that you've developed as an artist and, and figure a way through it. And I think that's what I enjoy about that show is that it puts, I mean, I imagine myself in those situations. Like, how would I have dealt with that if I was given, you know, this particular challenge? You know, what would I what skills do I have over the 20 years of tattooing that, you know, that I've learned and, and talked to different clients that have come in and, and been placed in these, in these scenarios, how would I have dealt with that? You know? And so it's fun for, it's fun, I think, to watch that and see how people, um, get through it. And, and obviously they do a good job at editing and, and to, to show some of the breakdowns and, and, uh, successes that people have. So it's cool. I think at this point, it's definitely, um, I think people do understand it as, as a game show now and, and as something that's not, you're not going to go in and get a, 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 I think it's different than like the Miami Inc or New York Inc or those kind of shows. Cause you know, those kind of represent, oh yeah, you go and get a back piece in, in, you know, three hours or whatever. And, um, you know, Ink Master's a little bit different and I don't think there's anything wrong with any of those shows at this point. You know, I think it, it showcases a, a higher level of tattooing to the general public. And hopefully that's going to translate into, you know, people walking into their local shops in Cocoa Beach, Florida or Lodi, California and asking for better work, you know? So. Instead of people expect quality, people expect custom. That's what Tattoo TV has changed that you know no one no one's picking flash i think because of tattoo tv they, they understand what can be done and and um flash has become obsolete and everyone wants a big custom piece and and uh it's just definitely educated them to, a lot to the point that it's almost educated the public too much that you know about our sacred craft and they're, they're talking like us now and and t critiquing uh the, the line work of tattoos and the <laughs> saturation, but sure. you know it's, it's great. The more the more that people are thinking about tattoos, the more they're exposed. If they see them on, on t-shirts and, and television, the more that I think that it helps keep us all busy. I think so too. I, I definitely agree with that, and it's it's 
fun to see the the development of of the industry, man, and and the community and the different lanes that people are taking. And um, you know, it's cool to see a guy like yourself who's who's able to take those skills that you've developed and and almost your you know the culture of what you love that's beach culture, the surf culture, and um, kind of intertwine that into your into your work and and it, it's pretty it's pretty cool man so um what what kind of next uh next steps and projects do you uh do you have going on um just just uh i'm just gonna keep uh, refining my own particular style you know yeah. um, i would that's one good thing about i think anyone who goes on those shows it's it's like almost going into a boot camp you know and you're gonna push yourself and reanalyze everything you're doing, whether whether you're a 20 year veteran that that you think that you're good because you have a bunch of yes men around you and and people are telling you your, your stuff's good, which is kind of what I think I had become at that point, mm-hmm. and uh, or whether you're just trying to come up and make a name for yourself, like you're gonna uh, you're gonna become you're gonna really over analyze everything you do and you're gonna just keep you're never gonna plateau, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, that's what I I want to do. I just want to. I want to keep making my style a known style and and making it better and more refined and and to the point where it's like oh you, the ones that you were doing ten years ago are definitely not like the ones you're doing now even though it's the same imagery it's the same beach and the palm tree and the wave and the shark and but it, now it's blowing people's minds you know yeah yeah it, it, that's the you've reevaluated kind of that that style of of what you're doing with your tattoos. Obviously it's very similar to what you were doing, but you've just continued to refine it. Does that come with the equipment that you're using too and, and different stuff? There's so much shit out there, man. That's like, you know, people are, you know, have jumped to rotaries and then maybe jump back to coils and, you know, using this particular ink and trying this particular product, you know, how do you wrap your head around all that shit that's going on with, with product development and, and, uh, you know, the digital age, I mean, we're definitely moving into a, a time where tattooers are taking advantage of these things that can elevate their game, like, like working digitally. Um, how, how, are, how are you taking all that in? Um, as far as my equipment, you know, I'm still using coils. I messed around with, with some of the other machines and, uh, I don't know. I've, I've taken on a lot, a lot of less is more approaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone thinks that if you're going to get better, it has to be uh, more detailed, more hyper realism, and more realistic. But I think um, that's not quite the direction that I'm go. I want to go. I just want stuff that's just that sticks out. And I, I see a lot of other people that are doing these like these flat and and these crazy color combo. And you know, it's almost. The point that I'm trying to push my artwork, I, I would say, is closer to like like the stickers and silkscreen concepts, where you just lay out a like the old days of silkscreen, and you you have to you have to figure out what colors are what, and you're, and you're limited, you know, and you're not it's not full color, uh, five color process where you can make every color in the world, which you can in tattooing, and that has a, has its own look. But I want stuff that you just see the, the same repeated colors that are throughout, and some of them are flat, and some of them are blended, and and these these big areas and then of 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 one color and just like a, a, a old skateboard graphic that's silkscreen on a on a skateboard deck looks different than stuff that does today. Yeah, and that that's that's kind of the been the route I've been going on. Just really super clean, easy to understand. You can understand it from across the the, the street, and it's like oh, that's a good clean visually 
pleasing tattoo. Yeah, I like that too, man. And I, I think for my work personally, I enjoy that collaboration. Like I tattooed yesterday and, and was able to do some draw on stuff. And lately I've just been stoked on, on that, being able to sit down with the client, have a, have a conversation, try to really, and I've been focused on that as like, right, try to keep it, the conversation very limited to the, in the sense of let's try to pinpoint in to the vibe that you want this tattoo to put off, you know, and then let's sit down and let's start drawing, whether it's on paper or whether it's on skin. Um, you know, yesterday I enjoyed drawing on the skin, you know, right on with, with, uh, pens and, and refining it and then diving into the tattoo. And I think it's, I think for me, that collaboration with the, with the client and then being put in this situation where, um, I'm having to focus on that, that draw on stuff and focus on how I'm going to keep, keep that stuff on the skin. You know, the client, the second client was like sweating. And so it was, you know, redraw on, redraw on, tattoo a little bit, redraw on. And it was a challenge, but ultimately it, it, it was, it was still fun for me, man. And it was still came out good and, um, just took a little bit different process. And I think putting yourself in those situations where, um, you may come across challenges in, in the tattoo and, and it's not just straightforward and that, that's, that's what I dig, you know, I'm really enjoying that process. So I'd say 90% of my stuff is drawn on too. Yeah. What do you, do you like, of, do you like, um, what do you use just like red pen, black pen or, or Sharpies or. Yeah. Orange and orange and blue a lot. Mm -hmm. That's a good combo. And just build it up from there or start with a yellow if I really want to figure it out. Get loose. Yeah. 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 It, it's interesting doing that big work too. And, and then dealing with, um, different, different, uh, areas. Like if you're doing a sleeve and you're dealing with those, that weird spot in between, you know, on the front of the arm or that weird spot on the back of the arm and how to cap those things off. And, and I, I love doing that with the light, with those light markers or a light pen and really playing with those areas and, and, I like to call it transition areas, you know, where it can be, those can be some of the most challenging spots. And so to be able to sit there with, um, you know, a pen, instead of having to try to stencil something on and you can really work with that area is, is super fun. It's super fun to me. And I'm glad that I've been able to, um, from early on, I was kind of showed, shown some of the freehand you know, little tricks and, and things. And then over the years developed that. Um, and, and I was talking to the, uh, Josiah, the last guy that was on the podcast. Um, and we both came up in Minnesota and worked with a guy who, um, was, was heavily influenced by the Japanese work and Don Nolan and, and those kind of guys. And, you know, one thing that I learned there at that shop was trial by fire with drawing stuff on, you know, I mean, it was so busy that, a lot of times you didn't have time to sit down and draw it. You had to draw it on the skin. So you had to have your skill to a point where you kind of constantly working on it, constantly, you know, figuring out and thinking about these different areas. So it was, it's definitely fun that free form, you know, collaborative effort with the client and, and drawing it right on directly on skin has been really fun for me lately. 
Yeah, I think that's that's what takes you a, a lot of people to the next level. Like to learn how to do a good clean tattoo and draw it and put the stencil on and do it. Like a lot of people can get to that point, and uh, and that's that's great. And you'll always be busy if you can do a nice clean, you know, palm size banger on somebody or, or, or bigger than that. But uh, to to take it, I've always wanted to just do like large scale bodysuit kind of stuff, you know. And I'm, not, I'm always working on sleeves and. And you know, I'd hope to do more full torso and and full legs, and I do. And uh, but like that that all comes with drawing it on and learning your backgrounds and and how to and how to tie everything together. And uh, I think that that's a, a step that a lot of people just don't get to. They just want to get to the point where they they learn how to do one nice clean tattoo and then maybe figure it out the next one. And but you know, you're gonna stay busier if you take on these these projects and. And you're always working on the sleeve, and you line out the whole sleeve, and you drew it all on, and, and, you, and you're doing that all the time, and you're just lining out these huge projects. That's what I always wanted to do, and that's what the kind of people that I looked up to. You know, I, I sat, I went to Texas and watched Chris Trevino, and that just blew my mind. And and like, it's like you're just you're just lining out these huge projects, and then you're you know you're busy for the rest of the year because you just it's. It's just, and it's all formulas. It's all, and I, I tried to study a lot of that Japanese early in my career. And and I say that my style now, which I call trappy style, is based on, it's, it's, it's tropical imagery with Japanese backgrounds. And, uh, you know, and I keep adding my own flair and, and switching things up. And I don't necessarily have to adhere to all the Japanese rules now that I've kind of incorporated it into my style. And, um, but it basically is where you, you know, where you're saying here where the, arm connects to the chest, you know, there's going to usually be a splash or there's going to be a, a wave swirl on your elbow or still a lot of the same things that I learned, you know, in, in the clouds and how to tie everything together from Japanese tattooing. Yeah, it's, you know, I think that you can educate yourself about those formulas and a guy like Trevino who's so educated about it and understands the different patterns on the, you know, on the clothing of the of the characters that he's tattooing and and the very deep things that are, that are involved with that but i think a guy like yourself or like me you know we can take those elements the the, the true elements that are going to make that a good piece and we can keep those elements and those guidelines in play but then we can because we understand them we can move our own style into it and and move you know the boundaries a little bit and yeah. and add those elements um, and you know it's gonna look good because you have those core fundamentals those that groundwork already laid out so um, <clears throat> really really fun to mix that mix styles and and you know that's for for me I love you know mixing that American you know Western American traditional imagery with you know some of the more sacred I love tying in the sacred geometry stuff. I've been super into that lately for the last few years and not, you know, what some people might think of as sacred geometry. They think of the dot work stuff. I'm talking about that, but I'm all, but I'm talking about using like the golden ratio and using, um, like I have this, uh, golden mean caliper that I will, you know, pull out and, and start figuring out and measuring different areas on the tattoo as I'm drawing it on. Um, but using that image, you know, the, the sacred, uh, measurements to kind of mix things up a little bit, you know, and add that to that American, you know, American kind of imagery of a anchor and a flower, you know, the flower might be to a certain ratio 
to the bottom part of the anchor that is, you know, that golden ratio of 1 to 1.618, blah, 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 and on and on and on, you know, to infinity. But um, I like I doing that. is like a religion, right? Yeah, man. And, you know, I'm not that deep into it, but it's like, you know, those guys, I know like the Tonka, Tibetan Tonkin painters and guys like that, it was religion to them. I mean, that finding the center of that canvas, you know, was a religious experience. And, and you know, I, I love that idea of, of putting something into the tattoo that is deeper than just that's this size and that's that size. You know, I, I like to to, to throw that vibe in there and, and try to, try to give it greater, not greater meaning, but try to give it greater impact, I guess. So all the, uh, all the, that, that take a geometry imagery, I think is amazing. And I was immediately attracted to it when it started getting popularity these last, uh, you know, last, uh, three, five, four years ago, it started really gaining popularity and I follow, uh, all the, uh, geometry chaos on Instagram and, and the black dot workers and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I think that was that whether you think it's trendy or not, some people might, but I think that's just meant to be on the body and it flows with the body just as well as a Japanese bodysuit. And if, if you look back to, to old school, like to new school tattoo back in the day, like Adrian, he's been doing that, those, those backgrounds since for 20 years now, right. you know, so there's been plenty of people doing these crazy, uh, pattern geometry backgrounds and, and things in their tattoos. It's just really gained, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people attention lately. And, and I, I'd like to incorporate more of it in my stuff too. Even back as far as like the Art Nouveau stuff, you know, with those, those great frameworks over the, the back of the females and stuff that, um, uh, was being done. Alphonse, I forget that dude's full name, but that Art Nouveau style that, um, that is that is even popular in tattooing now but some of those elements in there you know those those definitely um those backgrounds and the and the almost a mandala look to to the to the shape that was used to frame in some of his pieces and um really really cool stuff man i mean it's sky's the limit people are crushing it in all different styles um who, who out there that are your buddies or that are artists that you see um, are impressing you today? Um, you know, I just took on an apprentice and I've been telling her people to look at, you know, uh, just people who do real clean, nice stuff. Uh, Mike Chambers, I always tell her to look at his stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, just on this, that, uh, season after me on Ink Master, you know, I never heard of, uh, Katie. I don't know if you follow, follow her stuff, but like she really blew me away. And then of course, Dave Cruzman and like, just the, the way that they, they simplify and draw everything. Um, uh, but, you know, I came up in the 90s, and I, I still love all those dudes that, that I looked up to, like the 222 crew, and and uh, Jeff Rasher was always my, my top favorite, and Grimey. One of my favorites, too. Rasher was, I got tattooed a couple times, my chest pieces from Rasher, and I have an arm piece from him, and, you know, that I was fortunate enough to be working at Picture Machine during the time that 222 was open and I, would, I was tattooed by Eddie there early on. Um, I got a rock of ages, uh, with from, from him on the recommendation of my mentor, Steve Hendricks, who was, um, God, I gotta get, I gotta get a conversation with him too, man, because he, 
you know, was tattooing at the time when I apprenticed, he'd been tattooing about 20 years and, you know, had shops in Subic Bay, Philippines, had shops in Hawaii, was, you know, definitely, definitely a, uh, all around and, and then landed in Monterey and, um, you know, lo loved, loved hearing those stories from him and, and, uh, yeah, awesome, awesome times, man. Awesome times. Yeah. That's like a, it's like an era that, a, that, that unless you like were tattooing in the nineties, a lot of people like there, there's no social media. You can't go, Oh, let me go back on, uh, on, um, on Eddie's uh, page and look at this old tattoo. Yeah. You know, they're not there. It's like, uh, I, I love, or Marcus Pacheco's, you can't, you can't find the tattoos he did, you know, nope. it's like, and so I love all that old, uh, the San Francisco vibe and like two, 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 uh, eventually all the black heart people, yep. you know, that's killer, killer tattooing. And it's funny cause you know, at that, when I was coming up, I was like, I just need to get as good as these guys and I'll, I'll make it. And then it's like, you'll, you'll never, you'll never catch up to them. And I still don't feel like at my tattooing now is as good as they were in the nineties. You know, it's like, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. It was wild being around, being around that, you know, cause Primal Urge was, was right up the street from Picture Machine and I would go up there and and you know, see see these tracings, you know, that Grime had on the wall, and see Marcus walking through the shop, and um, I don't know if um, who if it was Whitehead or Sylvia that was that was still there at the time, and um, but Sylvia might been at two 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 at that point, but um, I remember watching him work, you know, and Jesse Tuesday, and um, uh, you know, talking about a dude that was huge into the black work early on, G Cosmo was part of the 222 crew, um, early on. And, um, yeah, man, thinking back on these memories and I was even thinking back on this, uh, 99 tattoo tour that I went to. And I mean, I've talked about it a handful of times, just all these experiences. And I remember, um, just the other day I was like, you know, um, talking, you know, seeing Bob Roberts, um, this art show that he had going on. And I remember, uh, Bob, uh, doing this dagger with the, you know, the forward facing Panther face on this Japanese, all the Japanese dudes were so into Roberts at that time. And, you know, they were just swarming his booth and, um, amazing, amazing stuff, man. Amazing stuff. We're, we really live in a, in a, a cool time in tattooing and there's such a rich history with tattooing and it's so young that we can, you know, think back on these moments that were, that were wonderful in our careers, but, um, we're living pretty wonderful moments really big, now. There's a big evolution in tattooing where it was like moving out of just a, a biker thing to this really artsy thing and new school tattoos were coming out at the time. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it was a, it was a great era and it's still a huge influence in, um, you know, and some people will be like, well, maybe your, your stuff, stuff's looking, your stuff's dated and has a nineties look. But if you don't, if you don't remember that, then you don't know it's then it's, still, then it's new to you, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm not trying to, to look, I'm trying to do the stuff that I remember like that as good as I can and refine it and make it amazing, you know, so to have that influence and, and be around those times, I think it's a, it's a big influence and I'll never forget like that era of tattooing. Yeah, me neither, man. It, it was, it's something that I'll treasure and, and cherish that I was able to be a part of and same with this time, you know, we're in a really exciting time as well now. So I'm going to cherish these moments, being able to, you know, create, create this podcast and, and create pieces like I did yesterday and, and continue to enjoy being a part of tattooing. Um, 
you know, I appreciate being able to talk with guys like you, man. You're very inspiring and, and you know, I love uh, love the work that you're doing and the vibe that you're putting out there. So it's it's exciting to have you on the show and I appreciate it. Thank you, man. Yeah. Where can people find out more about you, man? And, and um, what's uh, you running a website these days or just Instagram? How are you working it? Uh, I'm always all, all over all the social media, Twitter, my, my website. My website's just EndlessSummerTattoo.com. Plus, I have my personal website, MarkLawnecker.com. Neither of them have those been updated in a while, but they'll give you an, a vibe of my shop. And especially if you want to get tattooed by me, you want to go to uh, EndlessSummerTattoo.com and look at how my booking works because everyone uh, has a lot of questions on how to book with me. Um, but uh, my Instagram is probably the most important to me. That's like a full-time job. Uh, so I, I, I try to keep that as updated as, as, as possible where I, I'm always not just it's – a, it's a lifestyle thing for me. It's not just my tattoo portfolio. You're going to see a, a cool tattoo, and then you'll see something that has to do with my lifestyle as far as uh, record collecting or surfing or jujitsu or, or skateboarding or all the all the things snowboarding you know uh, my paintings um, and yoga so all that stuff's in there you know if, if, if that if that bothers you and you just want to see a tattoo portfolio then you probably shouldn't follow it and my, <laughs> but I think I think that that that's if you want to I'm, I'm trying to attract people that are like me and, and have the same likes as me so I try to show all everything that I'm about you know yeah I think that's important man and I think that that people you know, regardless of the style of tattooing and art that you're putting on people, if you do that, you put those things out there, you put yourself out there, people who are like-minded and resonate with that will come and get that work. You know, whether it's 90s looking work um, done in a 2016 quality or whether it's 2016 type work um, done in the same quality. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. People are going to resonate with it. They're going to be stoked on it. And... Um, you know, you'll probably be happy with it as well because it's somebody that's coming to you because they know what's up with Mark Longnecker. You know what I mean? They they're connected, and I love that about I love that about social media and and about this time in tattooing. My main inspiration is the ocean, and you'll you'll see that the second you start to to look at my work, and so that's the main attraction that I you know I tattoo surfers, I tattoo divers, I tattoo fishermen. I say that, that those are my main people, you know, and, and I don't say that those are the only people that need to follow me or enjoy my stuff because I think everyone kind of likes that stuff, uh -huh. and I think uh, I would love for everyone to to give a look at my work, but um, but that's definitely my top three people that I tattoo. Amazing, man. Mark, dude, it's been a pleasure talking with you, and, and uh, I've really enjoyed it. I enjoy your work, and, and um, I wish you the best of luck, and... Um, what's what's going on today? You 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 coming from this interview? You gonna go to the shop or you gonna go and uh, hit some yoga on the beach? What are you doing? Yeah, I would like to get a workout in of some form. I need some kind of something to do, but uh, otherwise, I'm getting ready to leave early in the morning for Baltimore. Yeah. I'm gonna be there all weekend for the convention. Then I'm guest spotting at Halo Shop. Uh, then we're doing a big viewing party at Jesse Smith's shop. Uh, it's probably going to be like 40 or 50 Ink Masters, probably the most Ink Masters together at once watching it and, and screaming and hooting and hollering and having a good time with each other. And uh, That'll be Tuesday night, so then I'll finally fly back on Wednesday morning and get back into the whole, whole new routine and do it all over again. Awesome, man. Right in time for this episode to drop. It's going to drop on 420, so, um, you know, I, I appreciate, uh, appreciate you coming on, man. Safe travels. 
and um, you know, enjoy those workouts and enjoy that beach. Right on, bro. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Peace and respect. Well, that's it, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I hope you appreciate it. I do appreciate all the listens and all the shares. Keep it up, everybody. It makes me happy to see. Remember, you can always follow me on Instagram and Twitter at OG Joe Swanson. Make sure to check out SullenRadio.com for show merch, original art, prints, and also sign up for the Sullen Radio podcast newsletter. I'm going to be working on a project that I'm only going to be sending out to the folks who sign up for the newsletter. So get over there to SullenRadio.com and sign up. If you'd like to get tattooed by me or work with me to create a podcast to promote your brand, please email joe at sullenradio.com. That's it, everyone. Thanks again so much for all the support, all the listens. Keep sharing the show, telling your friends. Enjoy your right now, everyone, and keep hustling.